morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk to you about college football, college basketball, the NFL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 114. A basic interpretation, not really interpretation, but how the AP poll actually works is that a vote for the number one spot is worth 25 points. A number two spot is worth 24 points and so on and so forth throughout your rankings if you were like an AP uh, poll voter. Early Tuesday morning, a four and six Texas Tech team had 21 votes, which would put it ahead of six and four TCU and tie it with Pac-12 champion Oregon. Did Tech get good? No, <laughs> they didn't. No. They, they didn't mysteriously get better overnight. It's it was just some unfortunate event where some voter decided, yeah, when they clicked a drop down menu or whatever, they selected the wrong Texas. They uh, uh, presumably selected Texas A and M for the number five spot because number right. five is worth twenty one points. Um, this was swiftly corrected, but for a split second, it seemed like Tech might actually be a top thirty team. <laughs> I mean, the polls don't lie. The polls <laughs> polls don't, lie. don't lie. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the polls not lying, Mike, you want to run us down on a little bit of Cyclone football? And you mm-hmm. might wonder, why are we still talking about it? The season's over, isn't it? Well, first of all, Cyclone football season is never over on the 8311 cast. We always keep you informed on what's going on in Cyclone football. But first, of, first thing to keep you informed on is with that last AP poll coming out, The Cyclones did indeed end up finishing in the top 10, as we alluded to last week. They ended up finishing at number nine in that AP poll. Um, And they were a heck of a lot closer to number eight than they were to number 10. So there was a really big drop between Iowa State at nine and Northwestern at 10, as far as the points go. So Iowa State, a very secure ninth place finish in that AP poll. Um, first time since uh, finishing the season ranked in the AP poll since 2000 and um, uh, first time ever finishing ranked that high in the AP poll. So again, supports this being the best season in Cyclone history. Um, And there's no reason to expect that next year they won't be ranked in the top, um, top 10 as well in the first preseason poll Um, because Iowa State is returning 39 of 46 players that were on the two-deep depth chart for the Fiesta Bowl. Um, I'll just do a quick run-through of the key players um, for you. On offense, Brock Purdy, Charlie Kohler, Chase Allen, and Sean Foster have all said that they are staying for next year. Um, Key departures on offense are Kenny Nwongu and Dylan Sainer, who both said they are leaving. on defense, key players that have said they're returning, uh, Mike Rose, Jake Hummel, Orion Vance, and Greg Eisworth have all said they are returning. Well, both Bailey brothers, as well as um, Latrell Bankston and uh, the cornerback, Lawrence White, have uh, said they were our lead. So definitely more holes on the defense, especially that defensive line with three defensive linemen um, leaving. Will McDonald is coming back on the defense. But- on the defensive line is the only hole that the Cyclones will um, have to step up and fill. Otherwise, they're pretty much running it back with the exact same team. I mean, depending on whether 
Iowa State technically started the game in a two tight end set or a three tight end set. Um, you can argue that the entire starting offense is coming back, right? With two tight ends. Especially end. the entire offensive line, which is massive when you yes. think about who Brees Hall is running behind next year. Yep. You don't well, have a brand new offensive line trying to figure out figure it out as a season. Yeah. The offense should be incredible next year. Like I said, some question marks on the defensive line, but your leading sack man from last year and Will McDonald is coming back, as well as uh, Azuike is also yeah. coming back. I've got to include him on the original list. So some things to figure out, but overall this team had the potential to be really, really good next year. And I mean, and that's being reflected in all the websites. They're way too early 2021 top 25s. Most, if not all of them have Iowa state in um, the top 10 and Vegas is actually really high on Iowa state. It gives Iowa state the sixth best odds of anybody in the nation to win the national championship next year with those lines coming out at 25 to one. Now I'm not saying you should go out right now and bet on those odds, because I mean, even if I were a betting man, I probably wouldn't do it, but it's amazing to have that respect on a national level from Vegas have the sixth best national championship odds going into the year. Um, it might be a long winter with how bad cyclone basketball is, but thoughts of packing Jack Trice again, hopefully next fall, um, for a top 10 Cyclones team opening the year should get you through a long winter and spring. So keep hope, get ready for next fall. It will be fun for the Cyclones. And this is a top 10 team that will, I believe, will have Iowa coming to Jack Trice Stadium next year. So imagine the Jack being packed for that game. It will be bananas. There might be some bananas in the stands. Who knows? There usually are some bananas. Well, you talked a little bit about championship odds. We never expected to put uh, those two together in the same sentence with Iowa State football. Uh, But one team that is a mainstay and another team that always seems to be around there is Alabama football or Alabama's football team as well as Ohio State. And I guess this really went to show how much of a gap there was between Alabama and the entire field uh, this season. The disparity in talent was apparent on the field. Uh, The Heisman Trophy winner showed out in um, Devonta Smith. He had over 200 receiving yards. He set national championship game records in the first half um, before he injured his hand in the second half. It was just two completely different teams out there. But in the last week, in the week before Ohio State dismantled Clemson, Alabama did what Ohio State did to Clemson. So it just wasn't close. The final score was 52 to 24. And there was really never any doubt that Alabama was going to win this game. uh, Unless you look back and say that 14 all was, I mean, 14 all was as close as it was and, it got much worse. Uh, Alabama had a 35 to 17 halftime lead. Didn't hold up uh, in the second half, really. Nick Saban gets his seventh national championship as a coach. That passes Bear Bryant all time uh, in college football history. He is an absolutely a first ballot Hall of Famer as a coach uh, for college football. There's no doubt about it. it. What what he's able to do in Alabama at Alabama is nothing short of impressive but then again when you have the money facilities 
Nick Saban as your coach, able to reload talent as well as coaches. Um, it's pretty easy for you to win at a high level down there. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, the Alabama offensive coordinator, we know is going to Texas. Um, they have already replaced him with Bill O'Brien in Alabama. Uh, so we will see how Bill fares going from the NFL back to the next. As always, we will keep you updated with everything in college football. Probably not so much with other teams other than Cyclone football because that's where our bread and butter it was another winless week for the Cyclone basketball team um, as we try, as they hopefully try to carry us back to football season. Um, again, they were respectable as they hung around with um, fourth ranked Texas for most of the year, or most of the year, wow, most of the game. But just as the story was against West Virginia, um, they could not get the job done. Um, Against Texas Tech at home um, later in the week, the results were not as encouraging. Iowa State suffered what I believe was their third worst loss at Hilton. Um, as far as point margin goes, the third worst loss at Hilton. Um, so that just wasn't good. Um, Steve Prohm called, um, boy, he used a lot of harsh words for his team after that game. It was just not good. This team's not good. Um, yeah. Other Cyclone news that came out this week, Xavier Foster, the five-star recruit out of Wyatt's hometown of Oskaloosa, Iowa, was um, uh, decided to have season-ending foot surgery um, this week. So his season is over. Um, he wasn't playing a ton for the Cyclones this year because he was recovering from an off-season injury as well. But either way, that definitely hurts the depth um, um, in the front court losing a, a big man like Foster. Um, he is hoping he doesn't um, have the foot surgery and enter the transfer portal at the same time. Um, I think he'll stick around, but I think if Xavier Foster transfers, I think uh, Coach Prome gets fired soon afterward. I think Xavier Foster might have been the only thing that saved Prome his job after last year, and a bad year and losing him in the same year this year might be the end. So uh, hopefully for Prome's sake, he sticks around. I mean, unless you're one of the people who wants Prome fired, in which case, who knows? But Prome is definitely on the hot seat at this point. Um, looking ahead for Cyclone football, um, they had a game scheduled Wednesday night against K-State, but it was postponed because of um, COVID issues in the K-State program. That game will probably be made up at some point, but it hasn't been announced when. Um, and then Let's hope um, for our sake that it is made up because that might be our last hope at winning a Big 12 conference game this season. Yeah, the team's just not good. Um, and then they go to um, KU to play at the Fog on um, on Saturday. Um, that game will be on ESPN+. Plus. It got flexed off of uh, one of the major networks when Iowa State was so bad, basically. So look for that on ESPN+, Plus if you're lucky enough to have that subscription. Um, or just don't watch and just listen to about it on next week's episode. That that might be less painful. Um, but do what you will. Do what you will. Watch enough Cyclone basketball to get you through tough football season. Speaking of football season, it is still alive and well in the NFL unless you are the Colts, Rams, Washington football team, Titans, Bears, or Steelers fans. That is correct. All of your teams this week lost. Sucks for you. 
We're going to talk about all of them this week uh, and especially make a little bit of a mockery of the Steelers fans since they were all hyped up for the game uh, this week, especially their players. And, well, you know, that's what happens. First and foremost, on Super Wild Card Weekend, featuring six games uh, in this new NFL uh, schedule this year where uh, 14 teams made it into the playoffs. Uh, the Colts and the Bills, it, I think, was the best game of the weekend, in my opinion. It was the most competitive back and forth. Both teams uh, showed a little bit on offense and defense. Josh Allen played a, a, a good game. I mean, that's what it is. He, Josh Allen is the most improved uh, quarterback since he has been drafted into the league, right? I mean, you look at you look at Patrick Mahomes, who was drafted a year before, take him, for example, or Deshaun Watson. They were stars almost immediately. They made immediate impacts. Josh Allen was struggled his first year, had a below uh, league average completion percentage in his second year, and this year he's really turned things on, and now he's winning games rather than hurting them and for the Bills, which is what they needed. Uh, brings that fire and passion back to Buffalo. Of course, their fans are always ready to fist fight each other in the stands, even though social distancing be in play. Gotta love Bills Mafia. Uh, Josh Allen, 324 yards through the air and two touchdowns on the day. Phillip Rivers, who might have thrown his final pass in the NFL, in my opinion, he has. I think he should go and retire in Florida. He's got a high school coaching job ahead of him, supposedly, uh, and he's got a farm full of kids that he needs. Uh, he had 300 yards in possibly his final game. Jonathan Taylor also added 78 yards on the ground and one touchdown. Uh, Bills advance Rams versus Seahawks uh, in a game in which the Rams were supposed to start Wofford as their quarterback, which they did until he practically broke his neck on a play. Um, and everyone's wondering what the heck happened in Seattle. Everyone was ready to hand Russell Wilson the MVP after eight weeks. Their offense was cooking. Everyone was saying, let Russ cook. And now he's in the kitchen making uh, frozen waffles in a pan and lighting them on fire or charring them brown or black. It just isn't working. Uh, no one knows what happened. Their defense got a little bit better, but then they ran into uh, that great Rams defense, which is best in the this year. Um, and speaking of best defense in the league, they were the first team this year uh, to have a pick on a screenplay. Well, that ended up being a pick six. Uh, for the Rams, even though they're not able to score many touchdowns on offense, their defense sure gets the job done. And hey, who knows? Defense wins championships, but there'll be some tough sledding but next week when they head into Lambeau. Uh, the Washington football team uh, play, or played host to the Buccaneers. Alex Smith was unable to go as he was suffering from a calf injury, the same calf that he now has uh, – a hamstring for in replacement. Um, it still incredible that he was able to make a comeback and lead his team to the playoffs. Tom Brady was very uh, respectful of that and what he has done, but it wasn't enough. Although Tyler, or I believe Taylor Heineke is his name. Yeah. Taylor Heineke was up to the task. Uh, 26 of 44 for 306 yards, one touchdown, one interception. The one interception, he had the ball tipped at the line of scrimmage and it, a great play by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense to scoop it up off the ground. Uh, 
But other than that, he was throwing darts around the field. He ran for a touchdown in which he separated his shoulder. Think about that. Separated his shoulder, still came back in to finish out the rest of the game. I don't know how many of our listeners out there would be able to do that. I know I probably would. Uh, And it was just impressive. Tom Brady, though, throws for over 380 yards and moves on with his new team. The Ravens and the Titans is becoming a nice little uh, rivalry that we have going on in the NFL between two out-of-division teams. Uh, They have met two years consecutively in the playoffs. Uh, Last year, the Titans best the Ravens in Baltimore. This year, the roles were reversed. The Ravens got the better of the Tennessee Titans. And I guess my quandary is why does Ryan Tannehill always disappear in the playoffs? He never, he didn't throw for over 200 yards in a playoff game last year. And this season uh, in their lone playoff game against the Baltimore Ravens threw for 165 yards an 83% quarterback rating or an 83 quarterback rating on the game. Not great during the season at times can look like a very, very solid, possibly top eight uh, quarterback in the league at times. And in the playoffs, he did. They also got nothing going on the ground from Derrick Henry. It was obviously how they are able to win a lot of games. Derrick Henry was a 2,000-yard rusher this year without a single uh, offensive lineman selected to the Pro Bowl. I won't get into the how the Pro Bowl is garbage, but we'll go on a rant about that. But that's how a lot of teams determine uh, success um, of players. And when they don't get their ground game going, it, they struggle uh, as a team offensively. So the Ravens will be moving on in the AFC. The Saints outs the Bears on Nickelo- on the first Nickelodeon broadcast. There was mixed reviews, uh, especially uh, from your 8311 cast hosts. Mike thought it was silly. Wyatt loved it. Uh, and I'm on the fence about it. I think it's all right, as Wyatt said, maybe once a year. But I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts of that? I think once a year, and I think they pick the worst game, the worst game to televise on Nickelodeon. So in, what, 10, 15 years, when there's a sudden drop in NFL ratings from all the kids that watch this game, it's because they picked an awful game to do this premiere on for, for Nickelodeon. Yeah, I, I understand that I am not the t- was not the target audience of this broadcast, but, like, I mean, because I, like, know football and want people on the broadcast who can tell me things about football that I don't know. And nobody on Nickelodeon can tell me anything about football that I don't know. Um, so, but welcome to the slime zone, right? Yeah, no, it's not called that. Yeah. I'm not the target audience. If kids liked it, fine, but don't make it my, I'm glad it wasn't my only option. When I got sick of it, I could switch to CBS and watch it there with regular crew. So, you know, as long as it's not my only option, I don't care. If the kids like it, go for it. They did have their first ever F-bomb on a Nickelodeon NFL broadcast, courtesy of Cordell Patterson. Uh, <laughs> so that was fantastic. Yep, that uh, was friendly. I can't take credit for this, but I have a question for you all. What do the Chicago Bears and SpongeBob have in common? Um, they're both bad at football. Something about holes. Neither of them can complete a drive on Nickelodeon. Uh, and for Chicago, thankfully enough, you probably won't have Mitchell Trubisky as your quarterback next season because, yeah, that experiment has gone fatefully wrong. Maybe you'll be able to swing a deal for uh, Deshaun Watson and right or wrong that you messed up in 2017, but we'll see if that's able to happen. Deshaun Watson, if 
all of our listeners haven't heard is very unhappy with his situation in Houston. So we will keep you updated on that. But back to the playoffs where the Steelers were absolutely stunned by the Cleveland Browns. And earlier in the week, Juju Smith-Schuster cast some bad juju on the team, I guess, when he said that it doesn't really matter. The Browns are still the Browns, right? Because everyone's like, ah, the Browns stink. Well, these Browns came in and kicked your ass. Uh, I'm just going to say it. They did. Uh, it's called Heinz Field because the Steelers are spending this entire game playing catch-up. Um, that's, that's really the story of the game and how it unfolded. Uh, the Browns, I mean, think about this. The Browns didn't even practice all week. I guess I don't know what this is more of a testament to. Is this a testament to old ways of NFL teams prepping for football games is a bunch of baloney now. When you get to the end of the season, you might as well rest and be healthy. I, especially in games like this, where you're playing your third uh, game against the same team in the same season. Uh, so it could be that, or it's just a matter of, I guess the Steelers suck at preparation because yeah, yo, it didn't look pretty in the first half when Cleveland puts up 35 against you. Uh, it was their first playoff win since 1994. Uh, in the second half, they just held on for the win, uh, kicking a few extra field goals and, Overall, I think the way the game or the game didn't go well for the Steelers for one main reason. They cannot run the football effectively. When Big Ben has to throw 68 passes in order to try and win, that just doesn't work. Sure, they're playing from behind, but you got to be able to run the football in the NFL. Um, he threw for over 500 yards, four touchdowns, and four interceptions. We'll see if his noodle arm is able to make it back to the NFL next to a new quarterback. But that was the super wild card weekend slate. Uh, next week, we head in the divisional round. On Saturday, the Rams, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, have to put on their parkas and winter jackets and um, hats as they go up to Lambeau Field. Uh, the Packers open up as t- a touchdown favorite in that game. That is at 335 on Saturday. The Ravens move upstate in New York to face the Bills. Bills opening at, at two-point favorites. That game is at 7.15 p.m. Uh, on your Sunday slate, those Cleveland Browns head to Arrowhead, Kansas City, as they get the Chiefs off of bye. Andy Reid off of bye we know is very, very good. Uh, I don't have the stats in front of me. I wish I would. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it justice. Uh, but the Chiefs open as 10-point favorites. That game, 2.05 p.m on Sunday. The Bucks travel to the Superdome and their third matchup of the season. They have been bested by Drew Brees and the Saints twice already this year, so we'll see how round 3 goes. They open up as 3-point underdogs to the Saints, uh, and that game is at 5:40 p.m. Mike and Wyatt, AFC and NFC Championship matchups. Go. Oh, uh, what did I say last week? I said something last week and I don't remember what it is now. Crap. Same but I, I said Bills versus Bucks, so sure, in the Super Bowl. Oh, you're going in. You oh, you skipped a week. You went Bills, Bucks in the Super Bowl. Bills versus who in the championship? Well, game. why don't you give us your AFC and NFC matchups and Super Bowl matchup and champions. okay, that's what we did last week. We did it last right. week, you were yeah. Okay, no. I was gone. I apologize to our listeners. We're going over something again. So for me, uh, in the AFC. I don't see the Browns beating the Chiefs. 
and I don't see the Ravens beating the Bills. The Bills are too hot right now. So Chiefs, Bills, and I think the Bills are going to get the better of it. So Bills, AFC rep, and Packers are going to steamroll the Rams, and the Saints are going to beat the Bucks again, and then Drew Brees has nothing on Aaron Rodgers this year. So it's going to be a Bills versus Packers. Okay. Nice. Like I said, I would share what I said last week, but I don't recall what it is, and I don't want to contradict myself. So I'm going to plead yep. the fifth. Exactly. I'm going to do the same thing. I don't remember exactly what I said. If you want to know what Mike and I's predictions were, go check out episode 113 of the 8311 cast. Of course, last week's episode. Yep. And on this week's episode, as we have been doing, we are going to fill you in on some of the most controversial calls from this week in the NFL in Mike's Stupid Rules. This week, we are going to go to a play from the Washington football team versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. Uh, this game where Washington was punting um, and they punted and there was a punt that they thought was um, picked up by the, or was touched by Tampa Bay. So they went to pick it up and um, they ran it back into the end zone. First of all, just as a note, um, once if you recover a muff punt, it's a dead ball in the NFL. It's a dead ball where you recover it. You can't score a touchdown either way. Um, so first of all, there's that. Um, so second of all, what happened is it was picked up and returned back into the end zone. Um, and it was called a touchback by the officials. Now, even on the NBC broadcast, they were confused and their rules analyst said that it was the incorrect call. Well, we here on the 8311 cast wanted to get to the bottom of it. So we are going to give you the rules. Wyatt, do you want to start us off with, um, reading the definition of a touchback for us? I would love to do that. So the definition of a touchback is in Rule 3, Section 38 of the NFL Rulebook, which you can find for free online at operations.nfl.com. So Rule 3, Section 38 reads, it is a touchback if the ball is dead on or behind the goal line of a team that is defending uh, defending their, their end zone, provided that the impetus comes from an opponent and that is not a touchdown or an incomplete pass. So here, this is not an incomplete pass, and it's also not a touchdown. Um that, that's, that's, that's the definition of a touchback. Yep. Um, the next rule is, of course, going to be Rule 9, Section 2, Article 2. We talked about this a few weeks ago on Mike's Stupid Rules. It's about first touching, um, downing a punt, right? So basically, um, you can go back and listen to that episode if you want a more detailed explanation of first touching. But basically, all you need to know about it for this rule is that first touching does not equal a dead ball. The kicking team touching a punt is not automatically make it dead where it's touched. Um, so that's what you need to get out of that. And then the real rule, the real smoking gun here is um, rule nine, um, article three, section, sorry, rule nine, section three, article two, specifically item three there, um, which says, if a player on the kicking team illegally catches or recovers a scrimmage kick, which remember, first touching is a violation, therefore it is an illegal catch of the kick. So if a player of the kicking team illegally catches or recovers a scrimmage kick, other than a field goal attempt from beyond 20 yards of the line of scrimmage, and touches the goal line with any part of his or her body well in possession of the ball, the ball is dead and the result of the play is a touchback. Like that, that's pretty like plain, simple. 
Like it's right there. No interpretation needed. The ball was caught illegally via first touching. Then it was touched in the end zone by the kicking team. That's a touchback. Pretty obvious right there in the NFL rules. There should be no controversy about that. That was absolutely the correct call by the officials, despite it being much blind during and after the game. Absolutely the correct call explicitly stated in the NFL rule. So there you go. Now you know. Don't knock the officials without looking at the rules before you do it. I'm okay with knocking officials when they deserve to be knocked, as long as you're willing to look at the rules and figure it out. Here, we looked at the rules and we figured out the officials were absolutely correct. So good on that crew for getting this correct. That was a tough call. Good on that crew for getting it correct. Good for them. The only officiating crews that it is acceptable to blindly and blatantly uh, get upset about our big 12 officials because generally 99% of the time they're absolute garbage at their job. They're worse at their job than meteorologists are predicting weather patterns. I would also add any basketball refs to that list because that's half of the game is making up awesome insults for the officials uh, on the court. If you want to hear what some of Wyatt and I's most classic moments, go back to some of our original episodes where we were members of the Iowa State pep band and we would talk about absolutely horrible call that we saw at every single Iowa State. And that's not every single one. That was just the home game. So take that times two. Yes. And something you can also um, get on us for is our bad predictions in our write that down predictions segment. And of course, we make it easy for you because we hold each other accountable and tell you every time we were bad. So we're making your job very easy for you. Um, In this week's accountability session, we had five predictions come off the board. Um, First one, I predicted that the Colts would win the AFC um, since they are out of the playoffs. It's really tough to win the AFC. So for that, I get a nah. Um, Wyatt predicted that the, um, that uh, Xavier, uh, sorry, that, Boy, I'm confused. Wyatt predicted that Iowa State would make it into the top five of a ranking this year. Um, they peaked out at nine in that AP poll. So for that, Wyatt gets a nah. Nah. Um, Kyle predicted that Xavier Foster would start a game for the Cyclones this year. He has not done so up to this point, And with his uh, season-ending surgery, he will not do so. So nah. 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 Um, I predicted that Bama would win both college football playoff games by more than 10 points, and they definitely did that. So for that, I get a And Wyatt predicted that Bama does not win their college football playoff game, but if they won it by more than 10 points, that does mean they won it. So for that, he gets a Kyle, do you want to start us off by putting something back on the board? I mean, not really, but sure. Uh I'm going to say it's probably going to be right. I'm going to say that Patrick Mahomes is going to have over 450 yards passing against the Cleveland. Um, That's a lot of yards. Yeah, it is. I guess it's a lot of yards. We searched. Uh, Kyle, can you look up what Pat Mahomes' average um, yards per game was this year for me? Yep. While you do that, my gut reaction to this is a triple, just to put it out there. Yeah, that seems about right to me. I also want to look at what Cleveland's – Passing yards per game allowed is why it doesn't show that on uh, the NFL games like it does for the college football games. That's um, we'll look at uh, Cleveland Brown defensive stats for 2022. 
Yards per game, 316. So he's averaging 316. Um, For reference, this year in 2020, there was one instance of him throwing for more than 450 yards in a game. Yeah, Cleveland is giving up um, closer to uh, closer to 300 passing yards per game. So, boy, is it a triple? I'm, I'm thinking triple is probably probably right here, I think. I'm down with that. Yeah, I think this is a triple. Triple, triple, triple. All right. My prediction. Um, so, for those of you who missed it, the Indians, after years of trying – finally managed to trade away um, Francisco Lindor this week. They traded him away to the Mets, him and Carlos Carrasco, for two major league players and two prospects. Um, So the Mets are definitely going for it, and Cleveland is definitely cutting payroll. Um, So with that, I'm going to predict that the Indians will not be in the top two um, of the AL Central at the end of May. Man, this is tough because they're starting a rotation. Um, I think their top three pitchers is enough to get them, I don't know, right around second or third. The White Sox are the clear-cut favorites to win this division, I would say. I'm biased, but I'll disagree. It's, I think, uh, double, Wyatt? I, I don't know what to give it. If you say double, I'll agree with you. Unless Mike is uh, very felonly opposed to a double. I'll, I'll take a double for that. All thing. right. I, I was not sure. With everybody leaving the Cubs and Davis, David Ross, uh, I, I won't say floundering yet. I'm going to say the Cubs are not at the bottom of the NL Central at the end of May. Mm. I mean, you got Pittsburgh in that division. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> single? Single, yeah. A single? Yeah. Not even the, a chance that we're worse than The Pirates are bad. But you think that the Cubs will be better than the Pirates? Yes. Yes. I hope so. God, I hope so. If they're not, <laughs> you're going to have a rough MLB season. Uh, it'll be fine. You know from Josh this week? Is he still alive? Yep, still alive, still doing good. Um, he is looking forward to this Packers playoff game against the Rams at Lambeau, and he's expecting a big day from Alan Lazard. Josh will predict that Alan Lazard is going to get in the playoffs this year. What? Two TDs in the playoffs this year. Yes, not necessarily just against, but two TDs in the playoffs overall. I think it's going to be tough for him against the Rams right. solely. Is right. it tough enough to go for the cycle? Just mm. I don't think so. Well, Lazard was hurt for most of the year. Let's see what his stats were for this year. Um, so he had three TDs on the year in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine ten, we basically averaged three tenths of a TD per game. Boy, this seems like it's a triple home run to me. Should we do it? I think we should do it. Home run. We yeah. hitting for the cycle tonight, we're, y'all. We hitting for the cycle. All right, you got. Hey, it. Wyatt, That's... what is this called when you when you touch them all? <laughs> a cycle. <laughs> it's called a cycle, Kyle. Thank you. And with that cycle, which for those that don't know, like me a couple weeks ago, that's a single, double, triple, and a home run, (laughs) touching all of the bases. After we hit for the cycle, that means we're at the end of the Write That Down Prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 114 of the 8311 Gap. Make sure you check us out on the Insta, 
at 8311 cast. Oh my. Or the Instagram for those who don't know what Insta means, because I'm sure there's somebody out there. I mean, there's me who didn't know what the cycle was, so anything's possible. Signing off for the 8311 cast, we have your host, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.